What's going on, everybody? You're back with the Real Bodybuilding Podcast. This is episode number 66, and I am with my man, Josh Lenarowitz. How are you, sir? Good, mate. Well done getting the name right. <laughs> well, I've heard your name announced many, many times in top placing, top three placing, top five placing, and it's, uh, it was, it's been a pretty amazing career for you. Most of who don't know Josh, uh, Josh burst onto the scene halfway through my career in 2014, 2015. Yeah, 2015 was probably my my peak when I first first got into it and started winning pro shows. Yeah, and you immediately like as soon as you came on the scene, you know some some pros take time to like kind of get their bearings and move up the ranks a little bit. It seemed like as soon as you came on, everybody kind of had took notice, and you Thanks. started. What was your what was your first pro win? Uh, the San Marino Pro. It was that was a, the highlight. I think. Yeah. Um, what year was that? I, that was 2015. So 2013, I competed and um, there wasn't an overall allowed. And then 2014, there was. Mm-hmm. And that's when I, I won my pro card. And then because Australia is the bodybuilding community in terms of professionals is pretty small. So yeah. um, straight away, as soon as you go pro, you're in against the pros that night. Yeah. yeah. So it was kind of like looking backstage, you know, as you know, amateur to pro level. Yeah. To then getting backstage against Sean Roden and Branch Warren, and I'm like, oh my goodness, it's just like <laughs> that, a step up. It's funny you said that. Let me ask you this: so when I turned pro, um, it took me. You know, some of my friends were like, but not friends, but people who knew me kind of from before were like, you made a massive jump from 2007 to 2008. But for me, I thought I think I remember seeing the guys when I turned pro in 2007 it was my first time stepping on stage with them. And it's almost eye-opening to the point where I was like, holy shit. And then the next year, I was dramatically better because I knew what I was walking up against. Yeah. Do you think having to kind of get thrown right into it is why your career accelerated the way it did? Yeah, I believe so. You know, like when you're an amateur, you've got the chance of winning any show you step into if you're decent enough. Yeah. And then when you get on the pro stage, it's like, wow, okay. (laughs) I'm not as good as everyone said I was. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you kind of have a big, you know, slap in the face of realization, and um, and I think yeah, knowing that it makes you really work work harder. That's is what it, I definitely noticed. Is it a? Let me ask you this: Did you go through an ego phase at all? Where because I know being from Australia is probably kind of like being from Canada, where like I don't th- I don't know how many pe- guys in the bodybuilders in the U.S. say I'm the best American bodybuilder. I don't like, I don't hear, I don't hear that a lot. Whereas when you're from another country, I always hear bodybuilders say I'm the best Australian bodybuilder. I'm the best Canadian bodybuilder. I'm the best UK bodybuilder, whatever it may be. Um, how much did that matter to you that you were representing that your country going into these shows and stepping up against these guys? Yeah. I think like the concept of being a big fish in a small pond mentality is, you know, when you do get into the ocean, which is the, you know, mm. Olympia and the Arnolds, that's when you realize, you know, yeah. what your kind of concept of how good of an athlete you are. Yeah. Um, but I kind of had the ego side of it. I noticed when I was younger, like I was 20, 21, 22, 23. That's when I was, I had like an ego, like at the start, I was so nervous that my knees were shaking under me on stage mm-hmm. at my first comp. And then to, wow, I won that show. And then, you know, I was just a junior and I won an overall. I was like, wow, this is something I'm actually okay at. Yeah. And then you kind of 
progress and you go, man, this is, this is good. And then you get beaten. You're like, Oh, that doesn't feel very good. But then it gives you a reality check to know that, you know, you realize that bodybuilding isn't who you are. It's just something you do. And then I think later on now, you know, mature wise, you realize that you know, bodybuilding is good and it's a great way to meet people and it's a good icebreaker and it's a great hobby, but then it's not everything in the world. Did you go through that phase at all where you were kind of had a chip on your shoulder? You're like, I'm the top dog and then stepping on the pro stage and being like, oh shit. And did you get humbled or were you always kind of humble going in? I was like the first, as soon as I went backstage in 2014, um, and I think it was like Sean Branch and Evan laying on the beds at the Aussie, there's an Aussie pro show, the backstage area. Yeah. And I was like, said as a joke, I'm like, um, there's a new sheriff in town, boys. Like, is it, is it, <laughs> oh, no. this is Josh and you Aussie pro. And, and they were just like, so serious. Yeah. And I was like, Australia's a real joke. And I was like, no one laughs. And I'm like, I'm just, I'm just going easy, just messing around. I'm yeah. like, actually go easy on me. And then they're like, oh, you're all right. Oh, okay. okay. All right. Yeah, so like, they, <laughs> they took you serious, eh? Yeah, like seriously. Um, but no, no, no. I'm not like, I don't think I'm going to do it well in this show. It was yeah. like one of those kind of things. So I want to, I want to fast forward. I'm, we'll go back. We'll get back to the, you know, the, some of the highlights of your career, but I want to fast forward because you had a pretty crazy year last year. And that's kind of why I want to have you on the show. I wanted to discuss everything that had gone on and I don't know all the details. So I wanted to have you on to kind of explain where things kind of, what thing, what happened and where you're at. So what was the last successful pro show you can, cause I know you did the Arnold's and you didn't really place the way you, where you wanted to. But yeah. before that, what was the what was the last show where you were like proud of what you brought to the stage? Um, probably proud of what I brought to the stage was was probably the, the Arnold's in 2016. Tampa was okay in 2017, but it still wasn't. I still had some fine tuning getting into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the last show I won was Spain last year, the Big Man Weekend, and that's the upcoming Europa that's coming up. And that was 2019. That was, that was 2019. Okay. So that qualified um, you for the Olympia, but so where, so take me from there as to where kind of your life went in that, in what yeah, direction so your was, life went to. It was a real highlight like that. After that show, it was also the same day as my wife's birthday. So it was like, we went out, we had like paella for the first time and we we're in this mm-hmm. restaurant after the show and it was just a tour of us. And it was just a really amazing time. And um, she was pregnant, you know, expecting our first child. And it's like, Hey, things are starting to really, you know, go well in our lives. Yeah. Um, and then we travel, we're traveling Europe and a bit of the UK before we would have come home and start getting ready for the Olympia. Yeah. And then I'm really like a hypochondriac about my health. And I think you kind of need to be when you kind of push your body to a relative limit. And I was like, I just noticed I had these headaches and I had this like lump, like sort of on the side of my head. And my skin gets quite red. I've had this like rosacea when I was you know, in my twenties or something. So it's like, Oh, is it that? Is it not? And I went to this GP and he was like, oh, I think it's just, you should see a dermatologist. And I'm like, nah, man, I know my body. Like I never get headaches. Yeah. And he's like, he knows cause I get my blood test regularly. He kind of knows I kind of obsess over it. And then yeah. he was like, no, nah, you're good. Just, you know, see a dermatologist, take some aspirin. And then I get home and I couldn't sleep. My head was that bad. And I went back the next day and I like demanded like a CT scan. I'm like something just to clear it out. And he's like, all right, if you want it done. And then I come back and it said there was a tumor in my, 
in my skull. And they said that um, to see a neurosurgeon. And this GP was like, oh, I think seeing a neurosurgeon is a bit much. And I was just like, man, this dude's like. How can it be a bit much? Hmm? How can that be a bit much? If somebody oh, I was that, man, that's what I was like, man, just give me the referral and I'll like find yeah. my own way. Yeah. And I'll, want, I'll see someone else from now on. Yeah. So um, luckily a, a guy I know, um, I'll give him a shout out. He he's, goes by Jack Nero on his Instagram tag. He's, he's a legend. He's like been really helpful. And I reached out to him and I said, man, do you know any neurosurgeons in Victoria? And he put me onto this guy and he was a great guy. And um, he rushed me in straight away. So I had like an MRI and all the rest of it. And um, they're like, yeah, he's kind of like, you know, you're good. It's, it's in your skull. And, you know, my brother had it when he was 18. And it's, I'm like, is it bodybuilding related? You know, everyone talks about, yeah. you know, growth hormone and all these things. And, and he's like, no, it's got, it's got nothing to do with that. That's not what causes tumors. So people out there think it does, it doesn't. Okay. Um, it's, it's, it's IGF-1 that does it. Um, okay. So he's like, you know, we'll get this taken out. It's not in your brain. And uh, you'll be back getting ready for the Olympia. Like he was like, you know, you'll be back two days later doing some cardio and like training and next week you're good. Okay. So, you know, my wife's like heavily pregnant, like eight months pregnant. Yeah. And we're like, you know, this is kind of a, a, a setback, but you know, it's not the end of the world. It's, it's major surgery, but it's like the, the dude's confident. And he was kind of like, um, he was, you know, you wouldn't say he was like the most sociable guy well, towards his patients anyway. So you're like, yeah. this guy's got to be great at his job because yeah. he's like, you know, yeah. that way. And um, so fully confident, nothing's going to go wrong. And then I just remember my wife like shaking me and I woke and she said, you've been in a coma for a week. And I was like, what? And she goes, yeah, because it's only going to be two hours. And um, I'm like, wow. And I was in the ICU at this in a private hospital and I was like, okay. And then um, she's like, I've got to tell you one more thing. And I'm like, what? And she's like, you got a catheter in. And I was like, oh, you know what? Yeah. 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 Put in your junk. Yeah. And I'm like, damn, I've got to be awake when that comes out. It's yeah. like, you know, all these things going <laughs> in my mind. Yeah. And um, okay, I mean, okay. I'm sorry, but who cares? I'd be like, I just woke up from a coma for a week. Yeah. But it's like, you're out of it because you've been in the coma and they've got me on like the highest amount of, meds I could have me on yeah, like a yeah. of, of meds to keep me making sure I was asleep and yeah. wasn't in pain and all those things. So I'm like, you know, your, your head's not clear. So you're just like thinking of weird things. And, yeah. you know, my mum was a nurse previously, so she was in, you know, visiting me as well and my family and stuff. So you know, I've got a good support crew around me and um, yeah. So I'm like, okay. So then they're like, Oh, you know, you know, move your feet back and forwards and all these tests you got to do. And my feet were quite, you know, weak at the time. And then, you know, I've gone from squatting like 300, you know, deadlifting, it's like 660 pounds. Yeah. And then to like, you know, you've got to get you back walking again. And I'm like, what do you mean walking? And I'm getting ready for the Olympia. It's kind of like, yeah. you know, it's, it's not everything. Competing's not everything. But when you've got your mind so focused, like as so, you know, you're, you're so, in prep, right? You have this kind of level of expectation of, you know, what you can do and what you can achieve. And that was like, kind of push down so wait a minute so you're in the you're in hot you're in a hospital bed right now yeah, and you're you've just been woken up from this coma yeah in icu and you can you know you barely they're telling you you're gonna have to learn how to walk in and you still think you're gonna get ready for the olympia yeah well that was what was in my mind fresh yeah 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 going yeah from, going, like, from when you went days. under yeah yeah it'll be two days you'll be doing cardio and then they're like oh you gotta kind of walk again like, so you're still you're still in that mindset yeah yeah my mindset's like it's like 
two, three hours ago to me kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so that's why my, my head's kind of not, not clear. Yeah. And then they're like, get out of bed and they have to like help me kind of move to the side out of bed and, you know, stand up and, you know, in my head, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm standing. And they're like, no, you're not standing. And I'm like, yeah, I'm standing up. And I'm like, no, you're not. You're like, you need to like completely stay straight. You, you're standing, but your hips are pushed out and you you know, wow. I'm like, Oh man, that was like a real reality check. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So from there it, it progressed and I progressed quite quick after that, but it, it took like three weeks to get out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, you know, a whole combination of things like the, the hematologist was like, this tumor is incredibly rare. Um, he didn't even think it should have been in my, like related to family, but my brother had it. So it was like, it's weird that you both have had it. Because mm-hmm. it's growing in your bone. It's like a, an interesting kind of a yeah. tumor from that aspect. So they wanted to study me and they said, you know, this will help other people. And I was like, all right, I'll, I'll stay. But then it got to the point where, man, my wife's about to give birth soon, like shortly. So I better get out so I can be there for the birth. Yeah. And um, yeah, so like a couple of days later, like four or five days later, we're in another hospital. And that's when my wife gave birth to our son, William. Okay. So it was like a whole mix of... Emotions, emotions, yeah. So let me ask. So let me ask you: In the three weeks that you're in the hospital, and you're trying to, are you were you in the hospital for the full three weeks trying to learn how to yeah. walk? Yeah, yeah. No, well, I pretty much walked quickly, but they wanted me to stay, like, because yeah. what happened in the, what went wrong is they did the surgery, and then I was in recovery, and then like the 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 um, surgeon had gone home, I think, and then I had a seizure in recovery. Okay. So they don't know why I had a seizure, had a seizure. and yeah. um, so that's why then they put me asleep because obviously this, you know, three hundred plus pound guy having a seizure, yeah. crazy, he's yeah. getting ready for the Olympics. So they're like, okay, let's put this guy asleep. And then the next day, when they went to wake me, they were meant to have like this nasal gastric tube, so you don't breathe anything out. And so they try to wake me, but all this stuff put in my lungs. And they said I was like coughing up green, and and so it was really dangerous. So I'm going to have to put one of those. I can't remember what it's called. A catheter, a not a catheter, a trachea, trachea or something. Trachea, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So they needed. Lucky there was like an anesthetist there that would come in, and he was able to, you know, um, get a tube down my throat. But the guy was like, I spoke to like the anesthetist later on. He was, he was like a really cool dude. He was just like, man, you were green, and he was just like, you look like the Hulk. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, it's funny now, but back then I was like, wow, that was interesting. And then he gave like this case study about, you know, this. Australian bodybuilder who had this seizure and you know it's not a huge industry here so this guy in the audience is like oh, I know that I know who you're talking about yeah yeah, so yeah. Like, not even like privacy with that aspect but, so um, what, how long sorry how long in what I'm trying to uh I want to figure out is how long in that three weeks before you realized I'm not doing the Olympia or were you still like I'm yeah, gonna I didn't, even, I didn't even I didn't because it was like how quick am I going to recover and okay. For my life's kind of, it's, it's interesting because I'm like, I don't want to live with any regrets. Like, yeah. even though, you know, in, in 40 years or 50 years time, if, if we make it to that age, who's going to remember, you know, where we placed at certain shows unless yeah. you're winning the show. Yeah. And it's like, even getting on the Olympia stage is a huge honor and the Arnold stage is a huge honor in, in my view. And yeah, you want to bring your best. And, but then you also want to, you know, have memories in your life and those mm-hmm. kind of things. Right. So I was kind of like, Hey, I could probably still, you know, come together okay and even for myself it's like a mental challenge to get better yeah um and like who can i inspire out of this as well because it's like life's not always not all about us it's who we help like look what you're doing right now with your podcast man like it's yeah it's amazing and you're helping so many people you're inspiring so many people and 
But those are the things that make you sit back and go, wow, like that's, you know, what you chose to do with your life is help people. Mm-hmm. How many weeks were you, how many weeks out from the show were you at this point? Um, I think it was, oh, I can't recall. It might've been 11, might've been. Okay. So you still, you still thought, yeah. okay, I can get something together. So then your wife has, your wife gives birth. Congratulations, yeah. by the way. Thank you. And, yeah. um, where, where are you now? Like, where's your mindset after that? Where's your physical being? Like, how are you doing after that happens? Man, it was, I had all this head pain. That was the issue. Like I was, I was on like an, an anti-seizure medication. I was on like, a, um, uh, painkillers. I was on all this kind of stuff. So it was like, you know, maybe this will ease off. And because it was like right on my skull, there's obviously nerves and things there. Mm-hmm. So the head pain I've had over this whole time, even since surgery has been severe, Lately, it's starting to get better, but um, that's that's been the hardest part. So at the time, I was like, "This is a real setback." And then um, I remember speaking to Tony Doherty, and he was just like, "Man, I think you should just pull the pin on the Olympia." And I was like, "Yeah, like you're probably right." Like he's like, "I think someone needs to tell you that your your mind's too focused on on that." And for me, it was it was like I wouldn't have done it if I was advised against it. Like the neurosurgeon was like, "Yeah." I think you can do it. Like you can do it. It wasn't like you can't do it or yeah. he was kind of like, this is a hiccup. This is a setback, but it shouldn't get in the way of your life. Like you need to get back doing what you do. Yeah. And even though it was a real battle since then, like I didn't know how bad it was going to get. Neither did they. Like it was just going to get, you know, the recovery didn't go as planned and it was more to do with where it was on my head and the, the nerve and how the headaches it was causing. Like physically I felt like I could do things, mm-hmm. but then the pain was like, a huge setback. So there was, that's what happened. Um, and then didn't, I went over and- Sorry to interrupt you. Didn't the pain subside after they were, did they, like, they removed the tumor? Yeah, they removed, but it, it was weird because they removed the tumor and I never ever got headaches ever growing up. So yeah. I all of a sudden had these headaches and I'm like, how come the headaches aren't gone yet? I thought that was a part of it. And they're like, you know, you've okay. had head surgery and, you know, we've, we've taken part of your skull and, you know, this is, this is what's happened. And, and um, it, it penetrated into what's called your dura, which covers your brain. Okay. So it's like um, they had to put like a dura for all this kind of stuff, right? So um, the basically the short story of that is um, they said, you know, don't let it get in the way of your life, get back to training. And then someone over and watched the Olympia and, you know, that was cool seeing, you know, Brendan make history there. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was just, you know, sad because you're like, man, I could be on this stage and, you know, um, but that's the part of life. And then fast forward from there, um, it, it didn't heal correctly. It was like, that's what I think was causing the pain. It was like my head would kind of move in and out with pressure. Mm. Um, so I trained, going and train and training started becoming okay. And well, the meds started coming off, but um, yeah, then I went in for another surgery and I had the surgery and that's when I was like going to get ready for the Arnold um, this year. So I had the surgery, things went great there. I was out and, and back to the guys, the neurosurgeons like go and train again. You're fine to start training. And the first day I went in and started training, um, I was just doing light weights. And I remember I bent over a row and I'm moving some weights around. And then the next thing I remember is there's like paramedics in front of me. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't, didn't know what was going on. And then I was, I remember walking outside just to get, go to my car and the paramedics like, no, no, you can't drive. And I'm like, what? I didn't know what was going on. They're like, you've just yeah. had a seizure. I was like, oh man, that's like, and then 
from there, it was like a real mental game because it was like, man, if I squat and I have a seizure, that's not only like cause an injury that can like kill me if I'm under a leg press or something and I'm not being monitored. So then that was like a huge mental challenge to get over. And yeah. for me, it was like, am I ever going to compete again? And it was like, well, if I can, that'd be great. If I can't, it was, I was kind of at peace with both, but I didn't want to quit. Yeah. That was kind of where I was at. So, um, yeah. I mean, that's a little, that's a little terrifying. So you're still, even yeah. at this point, you're like, maybe I can still do this, even though, I mean, everything you just said is pretty terrifying. I couldn't imagine being under, you know, 1500 pounds on a leg press and yeah. then not, you know, not waking up from it. For sure. I mean, for that's, sure. yeah. so that even that wasn't enough for you to say, I'm done. Yeah, no, well, because the, the thing is the specialists and the people that I spoke to being the neurosurgeons and neurologists, you know, these are the people that know. They're the ones who were advising me for going to do the contest. Is if it, at any moment that has said, no, I don't think you should do it. Or just yeah. said, okay, that's it. If any, if I said, is my body career over? And they said, yeah, it's over. I'd say, okay, that's it for me. But because, yeah. I mean, people who can talk in, you know, bodybuilding and they know about supplements, they know about, you know, the stuff in our field, but they're not neurosurgeons. And yeah. They're not, you know, they haven't done 10 years of study. To know, so those are the people who I'm taking advice from. And even at the start of the year, it was like Sean Ray went on and started talking about, you know, he's a mouth, as everyone knows. And he was like, Josh shouldn't do the show. And not once did he contact me. And I had words back and forth with him. And you know, I said that if he kept, he needs to keep my name out of his mouth, otherwise, I'm going to shut it for him. Yeah. And then he was like, oh, you know, he threatened me, kind of stuff. It's like, no, you don't. You call someone first and talk to them before you go on like a public forum and start bagging someone out. Yeah, you know, do, yeah. The, do the right thing and do the manly thing and discuss it in person first. Sean has a Sean Ray has a has a knack for getting under people's skin that way. He doesn't know how to like. Sure. Yeah, but that's he's a like he's a leech. He leeches on people to get leverage and yeah, go forwards in his career. That's we all know that. You know, it sounds great. What sounds crazy to me is the doctors there seem the opposite from the doctors here. Yeah, because yeah. here, like, if I go into the doctor and I have a scratch on my knee, they're like, oh. Maybe you should just, you know, don't train for a month and blah, blah, blah. They're very, very cautious. Yeah. It sounds like even with all everything going on, the doctors there were just like, go ahead, do your thing. You're fine. Like that seem, yeah. seems very um, different from what I'm used to here. Because the doctors, yeah, well, do, doctors here are very cautious. It seemed like overly cautious. Yeah. The, I mean, the limiting factor was the pain, was just being able to get back to do it physically. Yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't a deterrent from health. Like the training aspect was, I just had to change my whole training around for the show. Like yeah. I didn't do the leg press, or if I did use a leg press, I'd have a safety under it, or I'd make sure it was guarded by a bunch of people. Or yeah. like, I, and I wasn't lifting heavy; I was just doing focusing on more reps and stuff, which I never really did in the past. Yeah. And yeah. Um, whether you know whether it works or not, you know, I've never really believed that that kind of is effective for my body. But then being on all the the medications at the time was like, you know, it could have been that as well. Yeah. So you're getting ready for the, you were getting ready for the Arnold 20, 2020 at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and I know there was a lot of controversy because Sean was like, Oh, he shouldn't compete and this and that. And you guys were going back and forth. And I remember seeing some, I think four week progress photos. you were, were you, did you work with Patrick for that show? Yeah. I with Patrick. Man. So you work with Patrick. Yeah. So you work with Patrick tour. And I think I remember Patrick putting up photos and I think they were a four week uh, transformation and it looked phenomenal. Yeah, thanks, man. So what what was the fo the photos he posted, if you remember them, how many weeks out were you in the second part of that transformation? 
Yeah, the, so the transformation, I did the first phase where I just, you know, I went, just went crazy, just went, went like two hours of cardio a day and 20 to 40 grams of carbs a day, just suffered. I'm like, you know, great advice is given to me once is when you're like in a time of suffering, you're going to be in pain anyway. So instead of quitting on doing something that you find enjoyment out of that's going to cause pain, you might as well just go through it anyway. So yeah. I was like, I'm going to be suffering anyway. I'm going to have this head pain anyway. Um, if I do the show, it's going to give me a goal to strive for. It's going to give me the ability to retrain again and get under certain weights that I'm going you to know, find more comfortable. Yeah. And being on the medication again is like the safety barrier. Like if you have a seizure, you need to be on anti-epileptic drugs for a year. I mean, for me, I had reactions to all these different types and they kept switching me over to different ones. And um, so that was what was I found hard. But then, you know, the, and the side effects I got from all these medications was just, you know, in terms of just quality of life wise, was just, you know, really bad. I, I like felt. But any, any you want to discuss and you want to talk about? Well, it was like, it was like, like my hands would shake, you know, I got like, I had this rash on my all over my body. It's called a, a seizure rash you get from epileptic medication. Um, I had like, for some reason I got gout. Like I've never had, had that. I still haven't had it since. I got asthma. Yeah. Like it's all this stuff that you're on this drug called dexamethasone post the, the seizure and the surgery. Okay. Um, and antibiotics and stuff like that. And through the whole time, I'm getting blood tests and monitored regularly. Like I'm make, making sure I'm under medical supervision the whole time. Mm -hmm. I'm not like, hey, this neurosurgeon said I can compete. I'm not going to, thanks, I'll see him in 12 weeks. It's not like it wasn't like that. It was like every week I'd see him, yeah. plus I'd see my GP, plus I'd get blood tests, plus I'd get scans. And anything that was like way out, you know, then I would know, okay, let's pull the pin. But nothing was way out. How is all of this with your son? Because now you have a newborn son, and I don't know how, yeah. how, how old is he at the point of the Arnold's? A couple months? Three months? Yeah, he was born in um, August. So he's so like probably six months old, maybe? Yeah. yeah. So how is it having a six-month-old, plus you're on all this medication, plus now you're like trying to get ready for a show, plus, I mean, was your son kind of like a highlight that kept you going? Yeah, he was. Like, yeah. I think, you know, like children catch more than what they're taught like by actions, not by words. Yeah. So you know, even if I never compete again in the future, it's always something I can draw from and say, Hey, when times get hard, you don't quit. You know, you, you stick to what your plan was and you see it through, you know, it's, I feel like that's a better, you know, leader to have or a mentor to have in your life than someone who's like, mm -hmm. do this, even though, you know, eat healthy and you're eating a hamburger. It's like, well, yeah. you know, not really living up to your expectations. So, yeah. um, that, that was a real driving force. Like I did a list of pros and cons. Like I was really, you know, methodical about it. And I was like, you know, this, the cons were his pain, you know, I had a seizure. I could have another seizure, all this kind of stuff. But the positives were like, you know, my son um, providing for my family. My sponsors were very supportive. Yeah. It was a whole bunch of, of those kind of things. Like, mm -hmm. and even last year, like I was, was with Black Skull, you know, and previously, and it was like through that whole time they supported me. Mm -hmm. so it was like you know and that's something i was truly grateful for whereas a lot of people might have just gone hey this guy's had a surgery and you know we don't know if he's going to be back to his best again yeah but we not sponsor him anymore so it was that that kind of thing like there was a lot of positives to do it compete again mentally get my strength there was a lot of a lot of pros there was still cons but the pros outweighed the cons yeah and i'm like you know if i don't do well people will understand mm -hmm. but at least for me to get back on stage it's a it's a foot in the door for, to know that next time I can do a lot better. 
Yeah. So that was kind of where I was, I so, was at, man. So it's safe to say then that show was more for you personally. It wasn't for, yeah, you know, for it sure. wasn't for, yeah. it wasn't for anybody else. It wasn't for fans. It wasn't for, yeah. it was for my son. It was yeah. for my son. It was for my family. It was for me. Yeah. It was for the people that were concerned about me as well. You know, mm-hmm. like I think going through something that can be completely life altering and still seeing through something that you, you love and, and you know, in a way you're good at. Um, I think that, can inspire a lot of people as well and more so inspiring myself. That's yeah. kind of what it's at. Like I've always lived by that. Like you should always try and inspire yourself. That's the best. You should be your best inspiration. Yeah. So you said the first part of that transformation, you were doing like 40 grams of carbs a day and you were just suffering through cardio and all stuff. Yeah. And I didn't, that, I didn't want to send Patrick photos. I was like, I'll do this. And if I feel like I'm going to make it, then I'll send you some photos and then we'll work together for the rest of it. And he was like, send me photos now. And I'm like, no, I don't like. I'm, I was ashamed. You know? I was for ashamed. Those, like, no. <laughs> for those people who don't know, uh, Patrick is the kind of coach that wants photos like every single day. Yeah, so yeah. it's funny to hear you say that. So, how long did you go from the time you talked to him before you sent him the first set of photos? It was like I did the first lot of photos. So it was like six weeks, four or six weeks, and then I left like six weeks for the show. I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure it was. And then he, you know, put all the cards back in me. He's like, "That's you know, that's just going to flatten you out." But I'm like, I know my body, like, I've, you know, since I was, you know, very young, I'm like, I know what works. You just know yourself. This is what's going to work. I need to suffer. I need to punish myself. And this is what I have to do to get back in shape. Yeah. And, um, you know, it worked. But then it was like, okay, let's take that next step. And Dude, you're so much like me, man. You know what's, you know what that's from? You worked with Chad Nichols, correct? Yeah. 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 That's Chad's mentality. Yeah. Because yeah. I, that's how, because Chad used to get me peeled, like inside out peeled, like, like yeah. no, no skin peeled. And, yeah. and to get like that, we would be, like you said, 40 grams of carbs a day, two hours of cardio. And it would suck me down so lean that there was yeah. nothing left. And then we'd have to like reload and it would work. Yeah. But it's I, even to this day, I'm like that. Cause I'm kind of doing my own prep now. Like John Meadows is watching over me, but I'm kind of doing my own thing. And I'm like, I'm just peeling away carbs. I'm just peeling away carbs. Yeah. Yeah. And then at some point I realized this is not the way, like you can't live. I can't run a business. I can't do anything like on 30 grams of carbs a day. So Patrick took over and he's like, he t- would, would you, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, would you say a lot of like the majority of your knowledge now with, you know, what would work with your body is concepted from Chad? Would you say? Yeah, that's kind of where I was going with it. Sorry, I, I lost my train of thought there. But that's no, you're kind good. Of, that, that's, that's what that, I believe. That's well. kind of it, it's very very strange. So I've worked with Chad Hani, Chris Acido, John Meadows, like all the top coaches. Yeah. Um, and I would say that ninety percent of my theories come from working with Chad, which was my yeah. first, which was my first major coach. So it's almost like it's almost like you want to believe like your first influence is the one that most heavily impacted you. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because it worked like, that's how I turned pro. That's how I, that's how I became successful. So you start to click like, okay, that works. And then even when someone comes along like Patrick and tries to teach you a different way or a better way, you kind of always resort back to, you know, that thing that worked for you 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'd love, I want to compete again. I'd love to compete again. You know, things going right. And I'd like to do it with Chad again, just because I know that it was, you know, you, you, other whether it's an emotional attachment that you had because you knew that working with him would bring your best as yeah. well. And Chad's a great dude as well. But it, it was the same thing. Like I remember doing that. It was like going from, you know, becoming a pro, working with Chad, 
And I remember like three weeks into my prep, I looked better than I'd ever had. I remember, I remember sending him photos and it was the same thing. It was like 40 minutes of cardio, morning and night, faster than night. And it was, I was just smashed, burnt out. And these photos I was like really happy with. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I remember all I got back was like, just keep pushing the cardio. And I was just like, <laughs> like it, it killed me. Like I, I, I binged that night because I'm like, I'm doing everything I can to yeah. be better. And this is, yeah. this is my best. And he wants more. And I'm like, I can't live up to his expectation. Yeah. And then I binge that night. And it started like a bit of a bad trend of like, I'd push myself to failure and then I'd binge and I'd push myself to failure. And I'd, and I'd progress, it'd be like three sets forward, a step back. And then that's, but that's amazing. Out. That's where my whole, see, it's funny because people could connect me now to food, right? They're like, yeah. Fu, Fu, Ad lo- Fu Ad loves to have cheat meals. Fu Ad loves to binge. Fu Ad loves to, this has become my thing. Yeah. And I blame it all on Chad. <laughs> No, I do because, because he would push me like he would push me to the 40 grams a day carbs with like, you know, no fats and super high cardio. And I would get so depleted and I would send him my check-in photos and he'd be like, you're not there yet. Keep going. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, motherfucker. I'm like, and it's funny. I say it now, but, but it teaches you so much because I say it now. Like I was just saying to Paul, my training partner the other day, I think nowadays guys get shredded and they get strided, but there's a level that Chad would take you to where you were strided, but the striations were deeper. Like it's almost like I would get to a point where I had striations everywhere. Like even my glutes were in and he'd be like, okay, now he'd be like, okay, now there's one more level. And I was so disheartened, but then he would take me to that next level and all those striations would get so deep. Yeah. And I would have that graininess. And, um, but at the same time, every time he said to me, take a day off, it was disgusting. It was like, <laughs> it was like, I could not stop eating. And I think it just, I developed this like fucking really bad eating habit yeah. thing. So that's, what, that's so similar to me. Like uh, people were like uh, Josh and KFC. It's like, that's <laughs> he'll go crazy. He'll look, he'll look great or good for a show. And then like when he's off season, he's off season. So and I'm like, and I really believe like what you say as well. It's like off season's kind of like for enjoyment and putting muscle on and having a lot of calories. And I kind of, I've heavily believe it. Like that's dug into me as well is like, if you're in an environment where you've got a lot of supply of nutrients and lots of nutrients, whether it's good or, or bad, like as, as long as there's a lot of food, you're going to keep growing. If yeah. you like, if you're in an environment that's restricted of nutrients or, you know, it, that's when I feel like you're not going to grow because your body, there's no reason for the body to physiologically adapt to get bigger when there's nothing to support that growth. Well, so that's kind of, it's, and it's an easy way to have like a great lifestyle with like friendships and relationships and so on. Around oh yeah. Story. Yeah. I, I think, and I think that's also a Chad principle. Chad would overload everything. And I would ask him, I'd be like, why are we overloading this? Why am I, why am I taking so many vitamins? It would be like more vitamins than normal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm like, why am I taking so many vitamins? Why am I, why am I eating so much food? Why am I? And he would say, you might be getting too much, but it's better to have too much than not enough. Yeah. And I go, and I think that's the problem when I see guys um, that want to stay lean all year. Right. They're like, Oh, you can get big without getting fat and you just have to find out what your calories for the day are. I'm like, you know what? You're probably right. But what about those days where you didn't get enough? Yeah. To me, to me, that means you just missed out on a day of growth because you're so worried about walking that line that if, if, if this is the line and you're trying to walk it one day, you're here. And one day you're here. One day you're here. All these days where you're under that line, you're not growing. Yeah. 
So I, I always feel like you should be here all the time. That way you're always in a surplus and you're always growing and you're always, and I think that's, like you said, I think that's Chad's uh, influence because obviously you, you're the same way, but. Yeah. And, and like you said, it's hard to run a business and be you know productive in other ways when, you know, you're getting ready for a show because it takes everything. And that is really his mindset is like, it take, it's going to take everything to get yeah. you into that next level of conditioning. Yeah. And um, yeah. And it's so hard to function as a human. And I've noticed, like, I don't know if you've noticed this, but you should probably backtrack like 12 weeks ago, like how much slower your blinking is lately. It's like your, your, your like basic movements just start slowing down when you get that lean. It's like, it's just your body just finds all that way to get, keep that energy. Um, I was going to ask, so, okay, so we, we, we sidetracked and, and, there. And just to include as well, like um, Patrick was an amazing coach. It wasn't like I'd go with Chad because I didn't like Patrick. I, lo- I love Patrick and he's such a great guy. It was okay. just, it's like an exercise people go back to, right? They like yep. find an emotional connection. They know they get a result to it and they, and, and that's kind of like their bread and butter. And that yeah, was, no, you know, I've, I've, I've had, and he's, you know, I've had Patrick stuff. on the, uh, I've had Patrick on the podcast probably three or four, three times, I think. Yeah. And he's an amazing coach. He's, he's brilliant. Yeah. But yeah, it's, like, it's exactly. like, but, but it's like you said, I think it's uh, you just kind of go back to what you're comfortable. It's almost like you're comfortable with it. Like, even though it's way more painful than what, what Patrick's yeah. probably doing. Yeah. It's like the, the pain and the suffering is almost um, recognizable to you. So it feels more comforting. Yeah. And it's weird doing when you do more cardio and then someone tells you to do less, you're like, yeah. how am I getting, how am I going to burn more fat if I'm doing less cardio? Yeah. It's like, especially the way I was, you know, educated. It's like cardio burns fat directly. Well, I don't know when I take that into consideration, like having an elevated heart rate, doing cardio. So it's just like a different, yeah. a different, different form of it. So we so, got, so we got sidetracked there. So uh, but going back to when Patrick took over. So you were how many weeks out from the Arnold when he actually like took, six, six or eight. I can't. And he added more, added more uh, carbs in. He took. Yeah, it was like cardio patio back, had more car- yeah. carbs. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like the, the looking my physique changed completely. Like, yeah, in um, a good in a good way. Yeah, in a good way for sure. Like, what I would like to know is how would it have looked continuously doing what I was still doing as well. Like yeah. the old, you know, suffer and suffer and suffer, and would that have still created a certain amount of conditioning? But then I don't believe I would have been able to train as effectively. If, I didn't have all those carbohydrates as well. And that's a very important factor and, and skill that Patrick's acquired is like, yeah, you do need enough carbs to train. And then that's a way of building muscle and that muscle will burn fat. And that's kind of like, it's your furnace to burn fat, how much muscle you have. So, so um, yeah, that's. One of the things Chad did was always go high, high protein. And I know, and I, Patrick's a low protein guy. So yeah. was, that, was that one of the main switches into yeah. how he added the carbs? He took away a lot of your protein. Yeah, it was hard. It was hard to mentally wrap my head around. Like, it so was, give me give me some numbers. Like, where did you go from what meal to what meal? Man, it was. Let's say if Chad had me on. I mean, I don't know what this is in in ounces. In, do you do, do you guys do ounces in Canada or is it just US? Some people no. Some people do grams and some people do. Yeah, ounces. so I would go from like three hundred and forty grams of fish. Okay. To like just like two hundred grams of fish. So three hundred and forty grams of fish is I think like ten ounces of cooked fish. I think, yeah, I think that's, no, yeah, 12, 12 I think, I think 10 to 80, 12 is about 14. Yeah, something like, yeah, something like that. Okay, so, so you're doing like from 12 ounces to down to, you know, 200 grams, which is like five, five like or six ounces. Eight, eight, yeah, seven, seven ounces or something. Yeah. So it was like, okay, this is a big drop from what I'm normally accustomed to. Yeah. yeah. But um, 
you know, the last few years, years I had, I haven't really felt like I brought my best package. So it's like, and of course, when you love bodybuilding, you want to require as much knowledge and what you use, what you like, you keep and what you don't like, you discard and you kind of create a, you know, a form of guiding and training around all that knowledge that you require. Mm. And I think these people in the industry who are, you know, what we classify as gurus are great leaders to teach us, you know, ways that we can advance our bodies in a new way. And I think that's kind of part of, you know, why some people go from coach to coach, coach to coach. It's mm. not like they disrespect their coach previously with some might, but I feel like the majority of people, in my opinion, would go from coach to coach just because they want, let's see what this guy thinks and see what this guy thinks. It's like, yeah. okay, well, that's, that's why I, that's why I did it. I, I went from Chad to Hani, Hani to, to, from Hani, I went to Meadows, then I went to Aceto, went back to Meadows. And a lot of it wasn't displeasure with any of the coaches I was with. Yeah. I mean, some of them got busy, like Chad got busy and Hani got busy. And yeah, so I think that was part of it. But I think more so, it's like you said, it's just curiosity. I'm like, I wonder what these other guys are doing. I want to know. I want to, I just, I was curious for knowledge. I wanted to know what everybody was doing. Yeah. I, I want to know what all the secrets are. And, there really isn't any secrets, but you're, you're right. Each coach does things a little bit differently and it's nice to have all the resources like to yeah. kind of, to kind of know what they're all doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I had, had different coaches in my early years. Um, I coached myself surprisingly most of the shows that like I've won or I've done well. I find like I noticed I coached myself for those shows. Like I'd use the principles, like I'd say heavily, heavily applied from what Chad was teaching me. Yeah. So, you know, how like he would say in three weeks, just keep pushing the cardio. When I felt like I was burnt out, I'd be like, I'm taking the night off. Or, I'm yeah. taking my wife out for sushi. Like that would be, and then I'd be recharged the next day to train heavy instead of just going, this is too much. And then KFC and chocolate and chips and then yeah. and the pizza and then pancake parlor. It was like, you just blow out. Cause you're yeah. like, I've got this window. I've already cheated. I might as well just give it everything. <laughs> it's bad though. And then you wake up the next day and you're like, geez, I'm swollen everywhere. <laughs> And then you train, you're like, this is great. I'm training amazing. I feel harder and fuller. And then you're like, I'll do that again next week. Yeah. And then it's a bad cycle. That's how, see, that's why it reinforced it because he would, I would literally gain 15 pounds. Yeah. Because he would, he would, he would suck me all the way down till Saturday. And then he'd be like, okay, take Sunday off. And I remember the first time he said to me, like, Chad, you know what taking taking the day off means, right? Like, it's going to be disgusting. And he goes, just eat whatever you want. I'm like, yeah. okay. I'm like, you fucking said it. I put, I think I put on 15 pounds or something like that on that Sunday. But my training was amazing for like three or four days. And yeah. the 15 pounds had come off in three or four days. And I actually ended up at a net loss for the whole week. Yeah. That's, well, that's why it positively reinforces what you're doing is, you know, is a good thing. Yeah. So, I mean, he, he didn't give me days off to, to cheat and be like, I'd just take him myself. I think like he's, he's never going to give them to me. That's how. I felt. Oh, you took him yourself. <laughs> yeah, I took, I took him myself. That's what I mean. I would be like, because he would just say, "Keep pushing and keep." And I was like, "Man, no, nah, I'm just, you yeah. know." After a certain while, and I remember because I did a guest pose two weeks before the, the Arnold Australia, and that was like my second pro show. I'm going to um, show. I'm going to show people what you look like, just so in case they don't know. Go ahead. Go on. Just keep talking. Um, yeah. So it was like. Um, for the Arnold Australia. So it was like two weeks before it was, there was a, a, a qualifier here, a guest pose at it. And I'm really intrinsically motivated more than externally. So I was like really, really happy with what I, what I brought to the stage. And then, um, so I was just like on the way home, I'd always drive past this McDonald's and I didn't even like McDonald's. 
I remember driving past it and all of a sudden it was like two weeks before the show and I just went in there and it's got like a chocolate sundae, two chocolate sundaes. And I'd do a loop because I'd finish them on the way out and then I'd go back for another two and they're like, you just had two. And I'm like, oh, my wife wants them. And then I'd be like, I'd go back again and then I'm like, like another two. And I'm like, yeah, oh, my kids. And I'm like, I didn't even have kids. I was just embarrassed. And it was like six Sundays and it was just like let loose. And I remember Chad asked me what happened and I like listed all the food and all got like, okay. It was like, okay. that was a bit too much. Yeah, I, uh, I've done I've done that thing where you go to Subway and I get like three feet of sub and I'm like, yeah, I got my coworkers. I'm like, yeah. I don't, I'm like, I don't even have a fucking job. I just fucking tell people. <laughs> well, that was that for me. I was like, oh, I'm not going to win this show anyway. It was like the first Arnold Dexter was coming down for it, and yeah. I think it was Rolly and Evan and like Branch and all these top level guys. I'm like, man, it's my second pro show. I'm not going to win this show. I'm happy with what I look like you know it's in the future i'll do better and then you know i got you know eight. all right so so we keep getting sidetracked so let's go back so this past arnold's doesn't help because you're on i'm full of calories and it's like and late. i'm starving and then you're first thing in the morning you get ready for show. so we're like <laughs> polar opposites yeah but we're just talking about food the whole podcast is about yeah, food yeah. no okay so let's go back so yeah more importantly you patrick yeah. takes over patrick helps you you get to the arnold's yeah. and it was not the look you had expected to present. So how do you feel? Yeah. How do you feel at this point? What kind of happened that week? How I feel right now is cool. Like it's, that's in the past. And, it, you know, now I'll look back at it, the positive memories, even though at the time I was in pain. And so how did you feel? How did you feel in that? And week then, got, then yeah. for sure. Like I believe if you're competing at an Arnold Classic or Olympia, you have to have a level of expectation on yourself. And I mean, disappointment is, is the gap between expectations and reality. So it's bad to have expectations, but also expectations keep you accountable to make you work harder and strive to do better and make you get up when you're tired and make you go to sleep later than, you know, when you're already exhausted because you're doing another cardio session. So, you know, all this stuff happened to get me into a better shape. And because, you know, what I look like before the surgery compared to after the surgery, even though it was a step up from, um, you know, what happened at the start of the year versus how I looked at the show, yeah. You know, that 12 to 12 or 16 week transformation, even though I was better, it wasn't a, you know, a top level professional, what a professional should bring to the stage. Although it was for me, I was happy and I, you know, did my son proud, I believe, and did myself proud and all that sort of stuff. There's still always that component because it's a competition. Yeah, It's like, it's the, it's the same reason I stopped competing when I was a natural bodybuilder, right? I was like second in the world when I was younger as a, a natural bodybuilder and I was like 23 and I'd sacrificed so much and, my father died earlier that year and they asked me at backstage, are you going to come back and go for first next year? And I'm like, no, like I'm, I'm done. Like it's, it's like, if I want to compete again, like I don't need to compete again because it's for myself. I'll just, you know, I'll just train because that's what I love to do. Yeah. So instead of sacrificing and getting depleted and exhausted for a show, what do I need to do that? I'll just train because I love to train. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of like, you know, how I felt before it. So so what, where do you, where do you go now? Like, so you did the show, you didn't place where you wanted to, you feel okay about it now, but are you, are you retired now? Are you done? Like, is that. Man, I, I just said the next time I compete, I want to be my absolute best. Like I don't want to compete because I feel like obligated to, or like I have to, like sometimes in the past, it's been like a, a sponsor want me to compete. So I do a show, like even though I was going to take the time off and then I'd get ready to do a show. And luckily I'd win the show 
you know, with obviously a lot of hard work, but it'd be like, man, I wasn't even going to do this show. Now I'm doing the Olympia and so on. Yeah. Next time I want to compete, I just want to get myself completely ready and then pick a show. I don't want to say, Hey, I'm going to do this show and then have to get ready by then. It's like, I'll just yeah. train and love it. And if things go great, they go great. And I'll compete again. If they don't go great, then, you know, that's, I just want to do it. That's kind of what I did for the show coming up. I wasn't, yeah. That's why people, people kept amazed, looking at me. I'm amazed. Like, when I, I saw your physique, like six weeks ago, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's not the same. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're coming back and like the, lately these last couple of progress photos you use, I was like, wow, man, that's such yeah. a huge difference. And your waist is coming a lot and your hamstrings are like Chris Cormier hamstrings. <laughs> it's like next level. So Thanks. I was like really impressed how much you've been able to push yourself. And Thanks, man. I, I appreciate it. But I had, thank you, but I had the same mindset you have now, which is, and people keep, you know, people have expectations of you like, oh, you're going to compete. You got to compete. But I was just in the same place you are right now. I was like, you know what? I don't want to compete unless I'm pleased with what I'm looking yeah. at. Yeah. So, and it's not, it's like the same thing you said. It's not about placings at this point. It's more of just a personal, personal thing. But, um, like I've never, even, even at the show, the Arnold I did this year, I haven't even watched it. I haven't even seen how, like if I ever do a show and I'm not happy, like even though I won the Spain show last year, I haven't watched the show. Like if I do a show and I'm like, what? I knew I wasn't the best. I just, cause it's not what's going to motivate me. Like if I watch it, it might push me the other way. Like I didn't do good enough and I know I could have done better or I should have done better. If I know that I've done great, like for myself personally, if I train really great and I eat really great and I know that come comp day, I'm going to be proud of what I bring to the stage because it's a reflection of your hard work and knowledge and sacrifice and balancing proportions with the other and so on. And then, then I'll be motivated by watching the video. I'm like, wow. Cause it's always, for me, it's always competition against yourself. Even though yeah. it is a competition, <clears throat> I think what gets me down when I compete is because I feel like I've let other people down. Like if I feel like I don't place well, I feel bad for my fans, for my family, for my friends, for my sponsors. And that's kind of what beats me, eats me up inside. Even though myself, I might be like, Hey, given what I went through, I should be happy, but it's, that's not the reality. The reality is, you know, if you, and plus if you're completely shut off from the whole world, you lose the ability to connect with people. So you can't, anyone, even people that say that, you know, oh, I don't care what they think. Yes, you do. Like if, yeah. unless you don't care about what, anyone thinks which mm -hmm. everyone does yeah like you have to have a level of you know ability to connect with people i kind of know what you mean i, I don't know like it's not like you care what what people think who don't understand the sport but like there's always going to be people around you that you've given oh yeah your of trust to and they've given the trust to you yeah. and that's what i mean like you care about what they think and to connect with them even though they'll love you whether you're a bodybuilder or not it's still you still want to do them proud yeah, of course. No, I meant more on the watching your videos. I've, I kind of know what you mean. Like the 2017 Arnold, I have trouble looking at any of the photos. I, and people tag me in them and stuff. I untag myself. I don't want to look at them, but I did go back and watch the video just because I need to know how bad it was. Yeah. So I, uh, it was at first it was disheartening. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, and then, did you cringe did you like bring it oh. yeah oh yeah there was, there, was, there was a lot of cringing there's yeah. a lot of yeah. it's funny because i don't think people realize that we see ourselves that way yeah i know for sure people, but you, people yeah. think we like look at our own photos and pat ourselves on the back i, I think there's only like honestly probably two or three shows where i was like happy yeah. with the photos or man the, you were yeah. so much like me yeah because even even though i won that posing award at the 2019 Arnold classic I was like, do five poses. And I'm like, I just wanted the stage to swallow me. Even though I won the posing award, I'm like, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't hit my peak. And then I did like one or two. And he's like, that's not five poses. And I look like an idiot, but I'm like, I just won the league. Like, yeah, just let me get out yeah, of here. Yeah. Yeah. What's it like me? So 
you know what? Let's get into that a little bit. Have you, I'm sorry if I don't know the exact record, but you've won, you've won an Arnold, correct? No, I haven't won an Arnold. No, 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 no. Not, Col- not Columbus, but didn't you win, didn't you win Brazil or one of the other? No, ones? I didn't win Brazil. No, 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 no. I, this is the first, after the first year, so 2014, I won my pro card and I wasn't going to do this show, but it was like asked me to do the show as an Australian representative being held in Australia and so on. And then the next year was really my, my kind of, um, my debut. Yeah. So that was an Arnold classic. Didn't do well. You know, of course you cheated. I'm binging every weekend kind of thing, like every second weekend or whatever. Yeah. So then I, I committed myself and did the um, San Marino pro. And before that, I wasn't even going to do it. I had like a guest appearance over in um, New Zealand mm-hmm. and, um, and I'm like, Hey, I'm going to get ready for this. I might as well make the hard work worth it. So I got ready for the show and then I'm like, Hey, there's only six weeks or something to San Marino. Let's do it. <clears throat> and, um, and things weren't going great. Like, like I'd, I'd always be working two jobs and, you know, yeah. bodybuilding is expensive. Like it's, yeah. you know, like you, if you're getting 350 grams of fish, a couple of meals a day, it's expensive and yeah. you know, everything's involved. Right. So you're working and you love your hobby, but you still want to provide a future for your family and provide a living and all the rest of it. So, Mm-hmm. You know, I remember before the San Marino Pro, I had like my weight belt and the boot was like locked and it was jam locked. It wouldn't open. Yeah. And I'm like, man, like I need my weight belt, but then I don't want to spend money getting my car fixed when I can, and it's time out of my day and I miss yeah. my next second session or like <clears throat> you become obsessed. Like I need to do four sessions a day. And if yeah. I go take my car, then I can get the session done or whatever, right? Like having to pump your tires flat. So you still drive on it anyway. It's stupid. Yeah, yeah. But you're like, I need to get this done. Cause it's, I'm committed. Yeah. So when you're really committed, that's the, those are the kinds of things that I'm like, Hey, I did everything in my power to make that show happen. So that's what I'm, what I'm proud of when I get that result. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of what it was like. Like, like I'd rather do the show than get my boot fixed and, you know, get my weight bit out of it. Yeah. So, I mean, my wife and I went over to Italy, San Marino. It was like a 36 hour like transit it was huge we had like a flight to flight to flight train ride and I, I don't know what happened man like we're at the train station in italy and i was real like i just had this spirit gypsies for some reason i had no idea why yeah there was like there was these because we were so damn tired from the traveling and then there was like these gypsies at the train station get coming close and we had our luggage and i was like you know kind of dozing off and i'm like protective <laughs> of the luggage and i'm like man these gypsies are freaking me out it was weird yeah. But um, did the show, won, won that show, thankfully. And then two weeks, a week later, it was like the show was on Sunday. And then the, the Lou Ferrigno Classic was on like the Friday in California. Yeah. yeah. So I had to go from there straight to that show. You won that um, show, didn't you? Yeah, won that yeah. show. And then that brought on to 2016. So then it was that. And then there was the Poland show in February. So that was kind of like November. Then February was the Poland show in 2016, the Arnold Classic. The Arnold Australia, which was a two-day show. Yeah. And then it was the Olympia, which was a two-day show. And then it was Brazil, then like that next week. And then it was Kuwait that Thursday. And then it was Prague that next week. Well, it was like nine shows and two of them were two-day shows. And the Brazil show, I wanted to do and I prepped for it and I asked my visa. For some reason, our visas didn't arrive, like our passport. Yeah. Passport, So I couldn't fly. Like the day the flight left, the next day my visa arrived. So I would have done like a 10th show that for that whole 12-month period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like, and it's weird now. I see people, I kind of love competing, especially when you're doing great at it, like when you're in fine form. But I see people win a show and then that's it. They call quits for the rest of the year. I'm like, man, there's another show that next weekend. Why don't you just stay in well, show for that? I think guys' focus now is the Olympia, right? 
Yeah, but I mean, you like you and I know that like, there's first tier shows and then there's second tier shows and third tier shows. Basically, like if you if you you know won a third tier show or a second tier show and you're not like a front runner, top three placing, why not just do an extra week of dining and do that next show and maybe get another win? Yeah, That's I don't I, I don't necessarily disagree with you. I think the landscape of bodybuilding is such now that you don't have to compete to be successful or to make money. Yeah. So I yeah. think guys compete because oh. I think guys compete more so now because they want to, not because they have to. Yeah. Because yeah. back in the day, like coming up, you had to compete. There was no, you know, there was no social media. So you had to compete to get a contract. If, if you didn't compete, then nobody could see your potential and no, yeah. comp- no, no company was going to give you a dollar. Whereas nowadays, I think now, if you have social media, if you have YouTube, if you have a good presence, you can compete because you love it and just keep your stature up. Yeah. And, you know, you know that way it keeps you as a bodybuilder, but you don't have to compete eight times in a year. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. more about, I think people really care more so now about the Olympia than they did before. Yeah. Do you it's, feel like not competing though hinders the sport? Like when you see a lineup of athletes who are like, it's going to be really close between the four or five guys, it makes you really excited to watch bodybuilding. When it's yeah, like I mean, I mean, look, it's a perfect example is the New York Pro this year. The New York Pro had seven, eight, nine, ten guys that were all yeah. phenomenal. Yeah, it's exciting. And even though none of them were top three guys at the Olympia, it didn't matter. I was like, this is an amazing show. These guys are all awesome. Yeah. And the, the Tampa Bay Pro, for a contrast, only, you know, there was some good bodybuilders, but mostly it was just Hunter and Ian. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's, it's definitely more exciting when there's five, six, seven, eight guys who are all mixing it up and could win. Yeah. Uh, but I just, I do understand guys now and how they think, which is a lot of fans now understand the Olympia and understand that the placing at the Olympia is kind of the be all end all of where you rank in the world. Definitely. Yeah. It's definitely true. Like I could, I could win, let's say I won like six, six small shows this year. And then I go to the Olympia and I take last. Nobody cares that you won six small shows. They're just like, that guy's last at the Olympia. Yeah. So I think a lot of times now the guys, yeah, I think a lot of times now the guys focus is, can I be in the top 10 at the Olympia? That's where everybody wants to be. Where did you finish with your placings at the Olympia? When you... Me? Yeah. Oh, I didn't. The very first Olympia I did was 2008. Um, I was 235 or 238 pounds at that show. And I was last out of 16 guys, me and me and three other guys tied for 16. Cause there is no 16 It's 15 and everybody else. Yeah. Did you still, yeah. it still would have been a great. No, no, I was, I, I, I would have felt like a great accomplishment. I, I qualified three other times for the Olympia. I'm, I'm totally happy with what I did. I just, I never, I never put as much stock in the Olympia. That's, that's why I'm saying what I'm saying. Cause I, I feel like nowadays guys put more stock in the Olympia than I did when I was coming up. I just wanted to do well, but the Olympia wasn't my show because I knew I was never going to be a top six like I didn't think I was ever going to be in the top six at the Olympia. So I focused more on other shows. You know what I mean? So, but now I feel Now I feel like, I feel like all the guys feel like they have a chance. So guys really, really focus on the Olympia now more than they did before. Yeah. So you think I that's know. just the last couple of years or you think that's been. Yeah. I feel like the last couple of years it's changed a lot. And I don't know if it's. Exactly. Phil was like maybe calling quits. I wonder, I always wonder that. I'm like, maybe after Phil left, people are like, oh, the door's open now. Yeah, Phil seems Phil when he's on, he's like unbeatable. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, and I, I, want, I remember even Kai, like the 
the first time I did Kai was like in front of me and we were all got told to come up on stage and they're like, stop. And you know, there's like a couple steps before you get to the stage. Yeah. So my head level and his like lat level were like, you know, he's got that crazy lat. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, damn, like just. You're like, what crazy. am I doing? What am I doing here? Yeah, I'm like, well, I gotta go home. Like, this isn't worth it. Because <laughs> oh, yeah, it's like, stop. And I'm like, the worst part for me to stop at is like, yeah. He's like, yeah. 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 I want to ask you uh, one of the things that um, I really like about your Instagram is back when you were competing more, or at least I noticed it more anyway you would put up these daily walk. Uh, yeah, the DMs, uh, yeah. What was, what'd you call them, the DM? Yeah, it was, a, it was a DM. It was like a tribute to Dallas McCarver. You did so them, like, you did like, them, like, them like, it was like, like this one here. Is this one here? Yeah, the DM. DM for today? Yeah. One sec, see if we can hear it. pending false starts. We've all tried to accomplish something and maybe give it up that exact day or in a week. Or when we're tired, or when we're hungry, and so on. In order to accomplish anything, you know, I've competed. That's one of my main things that people know me for is bodybuilding. But there's many other things you apply these strategies to in life, and it's perseverance. No matter how hard things are, whether you're tired, whether you're hungry, you're consistent. When you're consistently inconsistent, that's when things go wrong. This is honestly, these DMs were a source of inspiration for me for like a fucking, for almost a year. I, I can't remember how, I can't remember how often you were doing them, but I was like, yeah. I kind of started to look forward to them. Yeah. I was doing them regularly. I, you know uh, what? And it's kind of like, sorry, go ahead. No, I just, um, I, I, I was very heavy into the self-help, uh, self-improvement uh, movement, I guess you could say. Yeah. I saw a sports coach for a little while and we, we went over a lot of these principles that you discussed and I felt like you were able to really neatly package them into the, these one, these just one minute little doses every day that would keep people focused. And I was, and I just thought this guy's a really cerebral bodybuilder because I don't think it's stuff that other guys don't think, but you're able to articulate it and get it out, which nice. I think, which I think was really important because I mean, even what you just said earlier about what did you say earlier? We were talking about there was a gap between expectations. Uh, yeah, disappointment is a gap between expectations and results. So you yeah, like, like that. Disappointment is a gap, expectations and results. Like, or expectations in your reality. Like, if your reality is here, yeah. like it's like it's like the guy that gets, you know, second place and he's so disappointed, and then the person gets like second yeah. last, and they're so excited. Yeah, because they like yeah. finish the race, and then it's the same. It's a concept. It's like, where's your reality at? Where's your expectations at? That's the hard thing with bodybuilding. It's like people, especially out there, you know, you, sometimes people judge themselves by their appearance all the time. Like they, if I look good today, I'll feel good today. If I don't look good today, I don't feel good today. And yeah, that can play a role on a lot of us. But it's like, but it's there's so much more to life than the physical. And when you know, like you've reached that pinnacle of you know, human potential in bodybuilding. It's like happiness isn't there. There's some happiness there, but it's not mm. pure happiness. It's like, yeah, you get, you get joy out of it, but it's not unlimited joy. It's not like family joy or friendship joy. It's like, you know, it's, it's, it's not unconditional. Like yeah. it's conditional. If you do well, people will support you. If you don't do well, you know, you still get support, but you won't get the amount of support of yeah. the prestigious first place win. Where did the, 
cerebral Josh, Josh come from? Is that something that's that the way you've always been? Or is that something that you learned along the way? I or think men- I think mentors. Yeah. Like I went through a time in my life where I was like, everyone said, this will make you happy. Do this, you know, make a lot of money and do this with your life. Like I've had many different businesses and, you know, flourished in some, and then the novelty of it wears off. And I remember once I was, I was doing really well and financially really well off. And I was just so sad. I was just like, man, this can't be what life is. And it was just, it was like a new year's, I think. And I was just really disappointed. Like, even though from an outside view, it would look like, Hey, this guy's successful. What they, what they measure success as I just felt really, really down. And then I started sort of searching and that's kind of where I kind of found my faith. And, you know, I could be wrong with the faith I've chosen. That's a possibility, but then, you know, it still teaches me a lot of valuable things. What I'm no great, like I'm, I'm Christian, but I'm not saying I'm a great Christian. Like I've got a lot of my flaws and stuff I need to still work on. Yeah. And, um, but I've learned so much through that and through, through the, the mentors and people that kind of teach you or they'll open their house to you and they'll, you know, it's, it's hard when you come from a family, you know, you, your parents, you kind of got their influence heavily and then you realize that there's a lot more influences out there that you can learn a lot from. Um, and there's di- different people in my life. Craig Harper was a big one. He's got, um, his own podcast and he's just like a, his own books and stuff. He's, he's, he's really cool. That dude, he's like really, that was the hard part. I remember like I'm struggling with, you know, how hard bodybuilding is struggling and struggling with the diet, with everything. And he's like looking for advice to him. And he's just like, you're human. That was like the advice. I was like, damn, like, give me something. Don't tell me I'm human. Like, yeah, bodybuilding yeah. like it's the opposite. Yeah. yeah. You need to be extraordinary. You can't just be ordinary on stage. That's, um, yeah. So but the DMs you- need to read it. I need to I feel like I'm not being authentic by not doing the DMs, especially with what I've been through. Yeah. Like it's really kicking me down. It's really been a, a, probably the hardest fight of my life. It has been the hardest fight of my life. And, um, and me not still being there to, you know, even just talking about when I'm struggling, I think that is, is real because everyone struggles. But then I don't, uh, you know, you don't feel good enough or you don't feel mentally good to do it. And that's kind of, I've had, you know, message, a lot of messages saying, do your DMs again, do your DMs. But then it's like, oh, well, I think, I think those messages, like I said, they're out there. People don't know where to find them. And some people think them, but don't know how to articulate them. And I think when someone packages it for you neatly like that, you can get some inspiration from it. So I think it is important if you can, you know, muster it up every day, it would, it would you're helping a lot of people that way. But, sure. but you mentioned Dallas McCarver and yeah. what does, what does Dallas have to do with the DMS just out of curiosity? Well, what I noticed is when, you know, you're very loved and valued to, of course, your family and of course your friends. And he had kind of this level of, um, you know, it was like Luke, you know, but you have this level of people just love, love you. You inspire them. And it was, that was the kind of thing it was. It was like, how do I create kind of my own tribute to him? You know, Cause when he passed, there was so much love for him. Same with Luke, right? There's just, this outcry, man, they feel like they miss him because they're constantly talking to him on Instagram or yeah, yeah. on their social platforms and then you feel like they're part of their life. Yeah. And then it was kind of that. It was like, you know, what kind of message do I want to leave behind? Do I just want to be like a you know a ton of muscle on stage yeah. or do I want to be able to, you know, contribute something that might help someone on a hard day? I see what you're saying. So you, so for those of you who don't know, you and Dallas were close. Yeah. We, yeah. We were like right at the end, we got really close. He was like someone who would envision like I'd be friends with the rest of my life. Yeah. You know, like before I passed away, cause we're like, 
we both love Dorian. We both love Ronnie, those kind of things. But then Dorian would like make fun, but these guys don't train hard. And we're like, let's go to his gym and let's like lift more than all his lifts and do a video exactly like he did. <laughs> but he can't throw that shit in our face. Yeah. So we like had all these kind of plans and stuff. And um, yeah, it's like every time he's passing comes around, it's obviously really difficult. Yeah. And um, especially because, you know, I've, I found him and I kind of wish that I was there and I could have brought him back to life and all that. Yeah. That kind of stuff really plays on on my mind so yeah um, it's funny you said i I felt that way about luke too i felt it's it's weird how someone can come into your life and you don't know them that well yeah but you can already see that you're going to be friends for a very long time yeah things just click you just get each get each other and um yeah i went over there and i did the tampa show and and he's like you can stay here i was like oh man i'm gonna be a bird and i'm gonna do prep and it was just really inviting yeah and i was living with him at the time you know and it was like um, I just felt like that was a huge um, testimony to him and his character just to invite someone. And we've talked a bunch before that, but it was like, you know, come live, come and live in my own home. Yeah. You know, get yeah. ready for your Olympian. We'll train together and all that stuff. That was, that was cool. I think it's pretty, it's a, a pretty awesome tribute that I think if, if that's what, I mean, I don't know how to put this in a, in a proper way, but if that's what has come out of it for you, which is you realize that, you need to be more than just muscle and lifts and all that. And that's, that's what the DMS are about. I think that's pretty incredible. Yeah. I think that, that, that they're inspiring to begin with, but now I feel like it, it, it's that much, even, even that much better, but what staying on, staying on, staying on that topic. Do you think all of us are doing enough to represent ourselves in ways that other are other than, just lifting and being meatheads? Um, I think it's tough because you don't know what people's intentions are. Like you, the problem is we judge other people by their actions and not by their intentions. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, your actions don't go the right way just because you've had a hard morning or you might say something that maybe you shouldn't have. <clears throat> and then people just think, oh, this guy's a prick or mm. this person's an idiot when it was like your intention was actually to do well, but it come out as doing wrong or, you know, so I feel like, for the most part, yeah, like it's, there's always someone in our lives that we know that we could reach out to and just add a bit more value to their life just by talking to them. But do you think? <laughs> but do you think bodybuilders in general, like one of one of the things I've done with this podcast is try and give bodybuilders uh, their own hour or however long it may be to tell people kind of who they are. Yeah. And for the most part, it's gone over pretty well. I think most people message and like, oh, I, I, I had no idea who that guy. Yeah, and I'm not honestly. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back or anything. I just. No, I think the, I'm saying that. I think you've yeah. done amazing. The, the, thank, the, thank you. I wanted, I wanted to do this for a while, and, and yeah. I was like, there was just so much doubt. Yeah. I did that this most of the day was like doubt kills. Um, doubt kills more things than dreams ever will. Yeah, it's like yeah, there's people self doubt that I think restrict you so much from doing something, and you've like taken the leap and stepped out, and like even getting back to sorry to get a bit sidetracked, but it's like even getting back to being sponsored by someone then all of a sudden you're not sponsored by them. People take it to heart so much when it's like, especially right now, everyone's going through a bit of a crisis with COVID yeah, yeah. and financially people don't know the future and people take it to heart. Like, Oh, they did me wrong or a bodybuilder will get out there and they're like, I trained all my life and I'll sacrifice so much to get to where I am. And these people didn't see the value that I had for them. Yeah. When a sponsorship's always a mutually beneficial arrangement where you're aligning with them and someone you believe is going to do well and you, you love their products. Yeah. And then, I think what bodybuilders tend to forget is that the CEOs and the directors of those companies have sacrificed so much to get to their point as well. Yeah. 
it's like, yeah, they you need to be completely understand and aware of that. So even yeah. though things maybe like with Black Skull, I'm no longer a sponsor with them or, you know, my previous, it's like, man, I, I love them and I wish I was still sponsored with them because they're great guys. It was yeah. like, man, yeah. the whole life right now is like crazy. Like, I don't know. As soon as I got this back this year, we got back from America and then COVID hit. Yeah. Like we just brought, we just brought the house, my wife and I. Um, and then it was like, we couldn't even see the house again for the last viewing because everyone was locked, locked down. Yeah. And then from there, then, you know, unfortunately lost my sponsors. And then, you know, we weren't, we've got the strictest rules right now in Victoria, anywhere else in the world. It was like an 8 PM curfew. <clears throat> you can't go out five Ks further than your home. Um, you can exercise for only one hour outside a day. Yeah. You have to like be an essential worker. It was just, it's way too strict here. It's way too okay. strict than yeah. it has to be. But like, 15 cases now. So where do you, so what are you doing now without sponsors and without bodybuilding? You said you had a bunch of jobs before. Are you just kind of falling yeah. back, falling back on your experiences that you've had yeah. in the past? Man, I've always loved PT because it's like we talked about before. You can really empower. You spend an hour with someone a week. You spend like, like I saw a sports psychologist not long ago. Like obviously everything that's happened to me has been really trying, right? Yeah. But then, you know, you might spend an hour with them a week or a fortnight or a month or whatever. But with, if you're a personal trainer, sometimes you can spend four or five hours a week with the one person. Yeah. And the point of impact you have on their lives can be something amazing. Yeah. And then you see other trainers out there who are you're just like, oh, I can't believe they have so many clients when you know that their moral character or fiber is like, because they don't man, care. Because they don't care. Yeah, they don't them. care. Yeah. And it's after the money, or they just, yeah. you know, what they're doing outside of work. It's like, man, they're, and then they're inspiring other people that will follow in their footsteps. And it's kind of like a crowd attracts a crowd. Yeah, and that's kind of the negative thing. So you know, PT. I've gone back to online coaching, selling clothing. I promote bodybuilding in Western Australia. I'm the promoter there. Yeah. Um, so it's like I've still got things, and man, I'll if I to go pick up stuff off the ground for a living. I'll do that. Like I've never think yeah. providing for your families is something you should ever be ashamed of with what you do. Yeah. So going back to what I said, I was I was I was trying to get to a point earlier that I I really want to hear your opinion on, which is how can bodybuilders be more than bodybuilders? Because I think it's important to make sure a lot of these guys have something after bodybuilding or have a legacy that they leave behind. That's not just about eating and lifting. So is, is yeah. there something like you're doing, like you do your DMS. And I feel yeah. like even though it's a small thing, it's a way that people can go, Oh, Josh is more than just, you know, this massive bodybuilder. He's got these, all these, articulate deep thoughts about you know different aspects of life is that one of the ways is that kind of the kind of thing other bodybuilders should be doing should they be finding their voice and getting 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 it out there in more ways than just eating this much protein or lifting this much weight and that and that yeah definitely like i feel like the foundation of what they need to know for starters is that like i said at the beginning bodybuilding isn't something who you are it's something you do it's not who you are. And a lot of bodybuilders believe that's who I am. And then they believe that they let that to find who they are as a person. And you need to like, Dave Chappelle says it great, like name your price. Like his dad said to him, yeah. name your price for your fame. And it's like, people will just do anything for exposure just these yeah. days. Like I've had like opportunities and I'm like, no, even though the money's good, I'm like, that doesn't live in alignment with who I am. So no, I don't want to do that for money. Yeah. Like it's like, go and do this celebrities you know, pour drinks, even like it was a bartender once, go and pour drinks with your top off. We'll pay you this much. I'm like, no, nah, you know, I'm, yeah, that's not who I am. Like, that's yeah. not that there's anything wrong with it. If that's where you're at, I just think 
for me, it's like that doesn't live in alignment with what I want to do being creative in this world. So I think that's something that people need to be aware of as well, what they mm. want to do and being creative. And that's the problem. The stereotype bodybuilder is just in this box and it's for entertainment purposes only for the general public. And yeah, we're entertainers on stage, but they think you just eat and you sleep and you train and that's it. It's like, no, it's not. Like you're a spiritual, emotional, you know, physical, you know, driven human being. You have all these components to your life. You're not just a physical person that lifts weights and that's it. Yeah. You have all these like factors to your life. Show people those other factors. Don't just put this one box in. And you've seen that people will walk down the street, the invisible lat syndrome, and they're like, and the problem is the most amount of us bodybuilders get judged by that small group of people who are overly confident that they'll yeah. walk around like that. And I'm like, yeah. that's how all bodybuilders are. It's like, no, yeah. it's not. That's just how that guy is. Yeah. 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 Um, so do you have any resentment towards bodybuilding in any way? And the question I want to ask is kind of the million dollar question that a lot of people ask people with kids is if your son wanted to bodybuild, would you be okay with it? My goal for, for William is whatever he chooses to do that he, he loves what he does. Mm. That's it. Like if he doesn't want to do bodybuilding, he doesn't do it. I'll never say you need to get in the gym and train. It'll just be like, I'll just train. And if he wants to ever come and join me, cool. But yeah, yeah. if he doesn't, cool. You know, like that's, that's cool too. But yeah. one thing I am really strict on is I do believe that people out there need to maximize their genetic potential first as naturally as possible. Like I was like 28 before I took that next step. And I believe that that was, <clears throat> I get up at 4.45 every morning and in bed at 11 at night and I'd eat all my meals and I'd do my measurements and I'd train to progressive overload. And I was, you know, I would have deadlift 300 kilos then at that age being a natural body would have, but the result was just not there for me. Like the amount of time, money and energy to get like a centimeter of a result was just wasn't there. And after a certain yeah. time in your life, your endocrine system just won't produce testosterone especially when you're thrashing over training yeah yeah so people just think hey i'll just do this like there's almost like the same like first i'll get a cycle and then i'll get my gym membership it's like man they haven't yeah. even learned how to train and learn their body yet or eat correctly like that's one thing i'm kind of you know, really really passionate about it's like people need to go maximize their potential first and they're not even that people need to get their bloods done they need to check their hemoglobin they need to get a ct angiogram they need to get an echocardiogram like they need to make sure their heart's okay because that's one of the influences that they have on has on your heart is like blockages and occlusions in your artery walls. Yeah. So I think that, that that's a huge component and getting tests regularly. I mean, in Australia, we're quite lucky because we can get things other than bulk build, which is for free. Whereas America, it's, it's difficult. Canada is, yeah. is it free as well. We're free here. Yeah. 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 We, so, one of but the it's worth, like you can't put a price on your health. No. Like you don't want to be, you don't want to be the biggest guy in the cemetery. That's, one of the things I want to touch on before you go, um, and I think it's important to note before we before we log off is you were natural for a long time. So you said you were natural until you're 28. Yeah. And I think we spoke earlier and you said you were second in the world as a natural athlete. Yeah. So where, if I'm second in the world as a natural athlete and I, if you, I'm, I'm guessing if I've chosen to go natural, then my health is a major component for me. How do you make that switch and what causes you to make that switch? Is, so, it, is, it, is it financial yeah. or is it like you just... No, it was, or... I mean, competitively, I mean, you can, like you said before, there's so many ways of making a living in life in general. But then when you've got YouTube and, you know, yeah. social media, you can make a life through that. Yeah. I mean, from bodybuilding, what I was getting at when I was 23, it was like, are you going to come back next year? I'm like, why? 
Like there's no, I'll compete for myself, like as in by myself. I don't yeah. need to be on stage to do that. Yeah. <clears throat> and there's no financial reward for me winning first place as a natural bodybuilder. It's like, there was nothing there. It's like, yeah. why, why don't we come back to this? Yeah. And money, not to say money's a driving factor, but it's like, hey, if I can compete now later on in life and I have a level of exposure and I can have a level of, you know, getting people's not attention, but being a leader in some way for them. Yeah. And that's, then that's a great path to take, I think. And if you can do it safely and like, I think if he's also like become like, you become enhanced, but then you need also, also need to become dehanced. Like you had that natural body run last week, bro. That was cool, man. Like it's like, we have it quite difficult as enhanced body rules because then we have to become dehanced. They kind of never have to hit that point. Yeah. So we have this whole part that's like painful for us to get ourselves back to a normal range of living, but it's safer for us to do that for the quantity of life. I think yeah. people that, you know, are thrashing their body for a long time, they have no thoughts about their quantity of life. They just think of their quality of life. You need to look at both components, quality and quantity. Yeah. So, so you, yeah, so for you, the, the driving factor, and I don't want to say money, but the driving factor is more career. You're like, you know what? There's only one logical step to go from here because otherwise I'm just going to be stagnant. I, I grew up in like a small country town. There was like 15,000 people. Yeah. And for, they did this like thing in the country at the time. They gave everyone like um, international TV, right? Like Foxtel. Yeah. And on ESPN, they had the 1998 Mr. Olympia contest and mm-hmm. Ronnie Coleman was won that show yeah, right so yeah, yeah. that's the first time i saw bodybuilding that's when i loved even the commentary of it like they would bring out people and yeah. it wouldn't be like he looks crap and he looks bad it'd be like this guy comes from this place and he's <clears throat> married to this person and he does this with his life and he you know he lifts right. this much weight and he trains with volume while he trains or he eats this way so it was like really exciting to listen to and it was really inviting to it's like hey this seems like a really cool thing and then yeah you know the magazines it was all Mr. Olympia competitive. Positive, yeah, yeah. And it was positive and I was like, man, I'm, that's what I'd love to do with my life. I knew that when I was in school, I had photos of bodybuilders in my diary and girls like, wait, what photos of guys in your diary? And I'm like, that's what I want to look like. I'm like, gross. I'm like, I don't care if that's gross. Like that's, to yeah. me, that's cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, you know, for me, it was like, hey, I can actually, at that point in my life, it was like, I can actually do this with my life mm-hmm. and, you know, achieve a lifelong dream that's where I was kind of at. Do you think that's why you were so good? Because you're, you're an amazing bodybuilder. Like, and you're, and I'm not saying you're done yet, but when you were bodybuilding uh, on a regular basis, I mean, your physique just exploded. And I'm like, I wonder now, cause I didn't know any of this about you beforehand, but I wonder now, is it that you built such a good base naturally that when you did finally flip, flip the switch and go enhanced that your body just, it was a natural jump for lack of a better word. Yeah, a massive sure. jump into this because you didn't honestly I didn't see you kind of progress into a good IFBB pro you just went natural and then you were good and I'm like yeah, was, and I wonder if it's all the years of natural training that did that I believe I definitely believe so for me it was you know competing it was the natural bodybuilders that I appreciated the contest anyway that I would be a part of were the ones that would drug test so I'd be in it finish the contest you win first place you go into a room you have to wait. There's someone that comes in, goes into the bathroom with you. You have to yeah. pull down your pants. You have to watch you pee into a glass. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's like proof. And then they get the blood that it taken and it'll come back that you're positive or you're negative. Right. Yeah. And there was like a couple of competitions that were going on. And one of them, there was a guy that got busted for the international natural body association. And there was another guy that got 
uh, he was clean on the, he was busted for that one. Then he was busted for another natural federation. And then the muscle mania was in Australia and it was like, he was all of a sudden clear. And I was like, man, they're just taking these piss tests and throwing them out. They're not even yeah. doing tests. Yeah. It was like, he kind of knew where to go. Um, so you'd have like an even playing field against people. And then I was like, say 250 ish pounds. Natu- um, naturally. Natural. Yeah. But I was muddy. I was still muddy. Yeah. And, um, and then everyone was still this, he's on hormones. You'd always get that from people. He's on hormones. But you know that it was just all the years of learning your body. I'll try Smith machine incline press. No, it doesn't really work for me. I'll try an incline dumbbell press. Hey, that works great for me. Whereas when you're on hormones, hey, a Smith machine works great for me. Hey, this was, hey, everything works great for me. <laughs> like, of course it does. It's like, wait a minute, wait, really a minute. Know. Wait, yeah. wait, wait a minute. Is that, that's not true, is it? <laughs> yeah, it is. Man, as soon as, what if, I wouldn't, I, I would, listen, my, I wouldn't know because the 95% of my career I've been on like yeah. the, no, when, I, like, when I, when I decided to be a competitive bodybuilder, that was the day I decided to get on, which is, I'm not saying is the right way to do it. So yeah. I don't, I don't like what you just said is completely foreign to me. I don't. So you're telling me if you're natural, there's certain exercises that feel worse than others, but if you're not yeah. natural and it's not, because I think Bio, it's the way you've, yeah. if you're enhanced. Well, the thing biomechanically, yeah. you will have certain exercises that won't feel great to your joints. Yeah. And when you're on hormones, it has this intracellular and extracellular fluid retention. And it has that because it helps you leverage the weight up more. Okay. So it's like, you know, that's how it kind of works. So of course things feel great because there's all this cushioning around the joints. So mm-hmm. everything feels quite easy. And but all of a sudden I'm... they realize the foundation isn't great. And then an injury occurs later on because mm-hmm. they've done this exercise that's felt great. Then they get dry for a show and all of a sudden they get injured. And they're like, why has this injured me? And it's like, well, you didn't learn your body at the grassroots level and build up from there to know that that exercise wasn't like for me, an upright row, even when as a natural body, it was horrible. It was just, I guess it's pain in my wrist and in my shoulders. And I stayed away from it my whole life. Okay. So there's a couple of things I want to say, even as an enhanced lifter, there are certain exercises I don't feel as much as others. It's not like everything just feels amazing. So that's, that's kind of a mess. No, there's still a, like, don't get me wrong. It's still, it's still going to feel, when you're enhanced, an exercise is going to feel better than when you're not enhanced. And then there's going to be other exercises when you're natural that will feel great. And then when you're enhanced, they'll feel even better. Okay. So that's so, kind of what I'm, that's kind of what I'm, you, you're different, right? Well, you're, the second, you're, an, you're, you're an exception to that rule because you're with like the 1% of the world that can compete at that top level. Yeah. For the majority of people out there training in a gym, they don't stick to a formulated plan for the most part. They'll go, okay. well, someone will write them out a plan, they'll stick to it. I see and they're saying. not realizing that that exercise, although it feels good, it's not great, but they I don't see. know what great feels like because they haven't learned their body yet. I wonder when you said that, I, the first thing I thought is, and I've, and I've considered this before, is I wonder if this is why I've always gotten so many injuries because I didn't take the time. You know, like I started bodybuilding at like 19 and at 20 I was already on because I was kind of dicking around bodybuilding. It wasn't even real bodybuilding. And then when I decided to compete, that's when I started doing gear. So I never really had a chance to train properly without using any gear. And I always wondered that throughout my whole career because I've had a number of injuries. I've always thought to myself, is it because I never took the time to build up my body naturally first? Well, man, there's a combination of things that could happen though in the process. Did you, did you come off with your time? Would you come off though? And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, some people never do that. They'll just go to a low amount. No, 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 no. I, I, there was, I, I'll be a hundred percent honest with you. Cause I'm always as honest as I can be for the first probably 10 to 13 years of my career. I would have off phases every 12 to 16 weeks. And those off phases would range from six weeks to eight weeks. One of them was 12. 
Um, then there was a couple years there where I experimented with the, the blast and cruise kind of yeah. phase where you don't go all the way off. You stand like yeah. two, yeah, two, that 250, yeah. 500. Yeah. Um, but, I, and I'm not asking for your diagnosis. I'm just saying overall, like what you're saying makes sense. And I wonder like, had I not, had I taken five years and just really tried to hone my physique, had I be better, would I be better off now? My, my tendons be stronger, my joints be stronger. And I'm, I'm saying it more as a cautionary tale, tale to anybody listening is maybe that is a factor that they should consider if they're, they haven't got on yet. Yeah, I be- look. I believe so, and I believe, yeah. and also I believe the human brain isn't fully developed until you're 25 as well. So you're kind of mm-hmm. even getting on before that. It's still not from a physical perspective, but even, I mean, mentally. You know, I've had people who were younger who I know of friends who started when they were really young, and you know they're great. They're, they're fine. They're not. Yeah. You know, they're not broken down or they're not injured. So it's not. It's not like hey, if you don't learn your body naturally, you're going to get broken down. Yeah, yeah. What I'm kind of getting at is, I feel like you're more connected to training when you've done it and build sure. that foundation first, and and especially food, right? I feel like food, you kind of you'll get to learn what kind of foods work well with you. Um, but then that's a negative too. Like eggs for me, I used to love. Now I'll get this, I'll get a rash on my face from having eggs. Yeah, it's weird. Like one main protein component I can't have. I've got to get rid of. But I used to love eggs every morning, and yeah. that's and I'll still eat them, but I know I shouldn't. But I know. Yeah, like, I know. Especially when you're overseas and you're at a buffet and the only thing they've got is eggs. You're like, <laughs> cool. And then the couple again later on, you're like, what are those eggs? It's funny it's how your body can develop allergens to things that you love because it's like yeah. that. I've been like that with oatmeal before where I was like, I couldn't eat oatmeal or I, or I could for a long time. And then there's a couple of years where it's yeah, like, I was the same. And just, then now, now I can eat it again. I'm like, okay, as long as I don't eat it in like massive quantities, right? Yeah. So it's, it's that, that was weird. what kind of started for me. It was like, I was, things were going great and around like, 26 27 i went over to to tonga where my wife's um family's from she's half tongan and um such amazing people and generous people and they like put a big lunch on for us and um their flight was delayed so it was a bit late to it so they always everyone ate the food me included and because they're used they were used to it their yeah. stomachs and livers and everything were fine with it i mean yeah. my wife got a little bit sick but i got like violently ill like i was hallucinating that i was in a maze and they had me in hospital there and <laughs> And I had to wear like this adult diaper to fly back to Australia. Wait a minute, what were, what were you what were you eating? It was food. It was just food. It was all this food, like from the island that they had on this big table. Well, was there anything? So, like, it was like, for example, it looked like looked like leaves wrapped around a certain dish. That, of, like, I know, but pork. was there anything like raw meat or anything that would make you feel so ill? No, no. But at one of the places, like there was no running water, so you could see like they would uh, cook and clean with the kind of water. Yeah. Um, but that, that, that's what I mean. Like they seem like they over here, you get people who are depressed and they've got a million materialistic things. And over there, people are happy as can be. And they've, you know, they're limited to what access they have to things. Yeah. And um, that's what kind of led me to it. I got back and I was so sick and I had like yeah. the rash started on my head and my hair started falling out. That was back then. And then like this, my stomach would cause me problems. And, and then I went to all these different, and that's when I kind of knew the medical industry there's some great people out there and then some people that kind of don't really care that much. And I went from like neurologist to gastroenterologist to endocrinologist to sports doctor to everything. Like one of my triceps wasted away that kind of atrophied the long head of my tricep. It was weird what happened. And then I went to like an infectious disease specialist and he said, you had this post infectious fatigue syndrome and you got chronic fatigue out of it. My hormones weren't working properly. 
just rocked my whole system. And that was one of it. Like, you can take hormones. I was like, no, I'm a yeah. diehard natty. Like, no. And then I like, was writing in this diary, like, to do it and not to do it. And even though there was, like, more yeses than no's, I was like, no, nah, I'm not doing it. And then I just kept getting sick. But I, but I was like a glutton for punishment because I'd still work my ass off because I love to work in PT. And I'd try and train, then I'd get sick. Like, my immune system was low. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's kind of what led me to it. And then that's when, you know, I realized, hey, this stuff isn't, as bad as what everyone says it is it's like my quality of life's just improved i feel a lot better i have more energy i can handle more workload i can recover a lot quicker and i went from like 250 to 300 and that's when people were like hey this guy's this guy was natural before he's yeah 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 it was like a reality check but i found like it was so much easier and then i realized hey when you come off it's really really hard yeah because um it's like yeah it's totally I haven't, uh, like I said, I haven't, I haven't fully retired, but after I tore my tricep last May, I was on a TRT dose. I think it was about 250. And some people say TRT is 125, whatever. I, I was on one shot a week, which is about 250. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's a therapeutic dose. It's 250 every seven to 10 days. That's yeah, the, I, I think, I, you know, when it comes to things like that, I think it depends on the size of the individual and what, yeah. they're, and what they're used to doing. Because yeah. my brother, for example, is smaller than I am, and he never took any steroids or anything like that and they have him on 150 milligrams so but i've talked to my doctor and he's like no 250 is probably pretty accurate for what you need yeah regardless the point i'm trying to make is i was off on that dose for nine months and the first four or five sucked really badly and then i started to feel better though so i'm I'm noticing like how have you been off now for a while yeah since i mean day hand since march so since the Arnold's, yeah. So how how is that how is that progression like since March? How has that gone? Um, well, it's hard here because everything was locked away. Gyms were you weren't able to train anywhere anyway. Oh, so okay. I mean, and that's something that I'd believe anyway. When you finish the competition, there's yeah. no there's no training center. This is happening. You yeah. don't have testosterone there. There's no point going in and thrashing your body in the gym. You're not going to recover. So yeah. it's like that's a good time to take some time off. So that was good anyway. Yeah, and then. You know, now I've got gym here, gym equipment at home, so that's been much easier to train. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, it's, I don't know if that's, you're kind of at a point where it's like, do I compete again or do I just, you know, go on a TRT level and, you know, have a quality of life? That's, I, that's I kind of what... I definitely believe that that's, you know, at one point in, in my life, I ran a hormone replacement clinic and we would do all the consulting and send them for pathology. And then when someone had low testosterone or, or growth hormone, you'd hire a GP out, and yeah. a doctor was able to go through those clients and prescribe it or not prescribe it. And it was like, that's when I knew because there was a gap in the industry between trainers and doctors. Yeah. So it was like there was this whole gap there. And then that's when I knew that, hey, these it would transform their lives. So I'd go from brain fog, you know, feel horrible, yeah. not enjoying life anymore. Yep. And then instead, like you go to someone, they go, here's an antidepressant, or here's, and it's like, no. man, yeah. why don't you yeah. just check their testosterone? Like yeah. it's a male hormone. And, I mean, you go like a, how many hundred years back, 200 years back, people weren't living to 80 years old. They were living yeah. what, 35 or 40. And yeah. now people are living longer. And it's like, well, I mean, yes, our quantity of life is, is growing, but it's the yeah. quality of our lives growing. I'll tell, you a, where- I'll tell you a story relating to that. So my brother is seven years older than I am. Yeah. And around 33, I was 34, I think. He was 41. He's like, man, I feel fucking horrible. And I'm like, what's the matter? He's like, well... It's like, you know, my appetite sucks. My sex drive sucks. I'm not sleeping well. He's like, I'm bitchy all the time. And I go, and I, I started laughing. And I said, oh, man, s- 
I said, I said, you sound like me when I'm off. <laughs> and then it honestly, as soon as I said it, it clicked. I was like, Hey man, I'm like, why don't you get your testosterone checked? So he's like, I never even thought of that. So he goes to get a check and his fucking testosterone, the doctor's like, you have the testosterone of like an eight year old girl. And they immediately put him on a TRT dose. And he said the fucking next week, his life was dramatically different. Yeah. All, all of a sudden he was in, all of a sudden he was in a good mood. He yeah. felt more like just refreshed every day when he woke up, he was sleeping better. His sex drive had gone up all yeah. like the full range of everything got better. And it was just, yeah. and it's like you said, doctors are so quick to just say, here's some Paxil, here's some Zoloft, here's some whatever yeah. antidepressant yeah. when it could be a, you know, it could be um, a hormonal thing. So yeah, yeah no, I think it's I mean, great. what makes men, men, right? It's like, yeah. And then when that starts to diminish over whatever, and I feel like too, if you, if, I mean, this is my own personal thoughts on the matter, but it's like, I feel like if you're someone who's really driven and you work long hours or you like, you're obviously a very driven person, you train, you've got your business, you've got your, your partner, you've got your family, your friends, you're trying to fit all this into your world. Yeah. yeah. And then all of a sudden you reach a certain point in your life where your endocrine system's like, nope, like yeah. I'm not living this lifestyle. Like you can just you just yeah. thrashing me all the time. There's no relaxation. Yeah. There's no work. There's no balance. That's what I think people say when they say find balance. It's like well, balance is probably where you're functioning at the proper point where your testosterone is releasing properly and you're recovering. You're not stressed out. Yeah. But this world makes us just work like crazy, and yet there's no kind of result yeah. at the end of it to help people from a doctor's perspective. For the most part, there's still great doctors out there. Yeah, Don't get me yeah. I'm not saying all doctors are bad. There's there's great people out there, but then there's, I feel like there's too much pressure put on them to push people towards all the other kind of medications when it's like, well, let's look at what makes a man a man. Yeah. I feel like we could go into like 10 different topics and keep going, <laughs> we've been on, but we've been on for almost two hours. So yeah. thanks for having me on, mate. No, Josh, I want to have you on again, but I want to, before you go, I want to ask what, so what's next? What, what should people expect from you? Are you just kind of um, taking your time and going to make decisions? I, yeah, I feel like I'm just a sleeping giant. I have been lately and I've been through all this stuff in my life and now I need to get back out and start living in line with who I am and I'd love to compete again, definitely. That's, is, um, that, is that your goal right now? So like what, I would love. Look, it's, do, you have a time, do you have a timeline for yourself or no? Um, no, there's no timeline. But it's like once you're stunned, you've always been, once you've been bitten, you've always been stunned. It's like yeah. you love competing, you've been on stage, and then, you know, you can, there's a lot of bad things can happen to you in life, I feel like. And it's like, you can, you, you can be angry at that. And then anger can become like your master. Yeah. And that's horrible. But then if you make anger your, your servant, you can get a lot done. There's a good amount of things you can get done in life. Yeah. So I think although all this crap's happened, you can convert that and turn it into ambition and drive. And I feel like that's what I hope I can display in the next five years of my life is something else. You said good. You said once you've been bitten, you can't go back. And I wonder, is it, because I feel that way too, but I wonder if it's the stage or the training. Because for me, I don't think I ever have to do another show again, but I will always miss the struggle of getting in shape for the, for the stage. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not for yeah. me. Like for everybody, it's different. Some people like the actual showmanship of being up there. Yeah, yeah. And for me, it's no, almost no. like, it's almost like, everything that leads up to the very last week. And then I don't care about the last day. I just like, yeah. I like making everything get to that point. Yeah. I'm someone who doesn't like the day of the show. I like reflecting back on the show and what yeah. I've accomplished in that process. So I think we're very similar in that aspect. Yeah. And I think also <clears throat> nothing's going to make you get in shape more than doing a show. Like if you have to get on, like when <laughs> yeah. they say, and you, if you're like a public speaker, picture everyone in their underwear 
Yeah. And us bodybuilders have to get on stage basically, you know, in like underwear. Yeah. 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 And you're like, so from that kind of, kind of part of it, like going back like three or four weeks when your blinking started getting a bit slower, that's when everyone <laughs> to give up and be like, that's enough. That's like, this is getting in the way of my relationship, my life, yeah. my business. Yeah. That's when most people quit because you have to get on stage. It's like more important for you to get, to get, to get in shape. It's more important for you to get up there. It's more important. Like, you know, that you're going to make it to that, that finish yeah. line. Whereas a lot of people never make it there. Yeah, but and, you. Um, but the funny thing, I know you say that, but the funny thing is, we we've we manufactured that finish line. Oh yeah, it's definitely our version of success. In some you know what I mean? Like, like nobody, nobody yeah, put nobody of, put a gun to your head and said, "Hey, no, no, it's, it's it's part of our version of success as it relates to our lives." Yeah, and with, yeah. like I said before, whether you're second or second last, yeah. your version of happiness. Like if there's no pressure on you right now to compete, you're yeah. gonna have the time of your life on stage, I believe. But when yeah. you think I got to win this show. Because you put that pressure on yourself to win, yeah. it's not as not as fun or not it's as different. happy of an experience. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I would love to, for one reason of not having regrets in my life. Like I don't want to look back in life and go, man, if I only did that show, like maybe I could have, you know, I would have been another great memory. I would have maybe travelled to a new country or I would have been on this or met these new people doing that. Mm-hmm. And um, instead of never doing it, you know, if you like yeah. the person that comes last is always you know running faster than the person sitting on the couch. It's the same yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Well, Josh, I appreciate you, me man. I appreciate uh, you, the insights on, on a lot of different topics. I'm sure we'll do it again. Thank but you. Um, we look forward to you in the future getting on stage. Great. All right, brother. You too, mate. All the best of yours. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much, man. We'll talk soon. See ya.